Hey, welcome to No Guitar Is Safe, the show where we do in-person interviews with great guitarists with guitars plugged in and in your face. And it occurs to me, you know, here we are, episode 48, had some serious players that can totally shred on here. You got your Greg Howes, you got your Steve Vise, Paul Gilberts, John Fives. Last week was Richie Kotzen, but you know what? I don't think we've had, as of yet, a true meddler. A true fucking shredder, pardon my French. Well, that's all about to change. You're listening to Rusty Cooley and his new band, Day of Reckoning. I've known Rusty for years, used to have him write metal columns. For Guitar Player Magazine, we'd have like Robin Ford doing a blues column, Steve Morris doing a prog column, Satriani doing a rock column, and when I needed a metal column, I knew exactly where to go. Rusty Cooley is so dedicated to Shred. Even if you don't play Shred, you're going to love his dedication to practicing and to building his skills and just becoming a better musician. I mean, he could be a motivational speaker even if he was talking to non-guitar players. Let's hear some more Day of Reckoning. That's Brad Lambert on the vocals. He will be joining us on this interview in a couple of spots. He's also a doctor, I believe, which is quite an interesting day job for a metal frontman to have. Let's hear something else Rusty did. This is his tribute to one of his favorite guitar players of all time, the late, great Sean Lane. This is epilogue for Lisa. Again, my name is Jude Gold. I work for Guitar Player Magazine, but this podcast is kind of my own thing that I do in partnership with them, and I am so thankful for their support. Guitar Player is 50 years old. Guitar Player has been in print for 50 years now. You can learn more at guitarplayer.com. I hope you enjoyed the Richie Kotzen episode last week. You can still win the Tech 21 Fly Rig Richie Kotzen Signature Model RK5. Really cool pedal. All you got to do is throw your name in the hat at guitarplayer.com slash Kotzen. 
That's K-O-T-Z-E-N. I do understand that it's mostly available only to people residing in America and parts of Canada, apparently. But anyway, best of luck to those of you who enter. I hope to get a contest for everyone all over the world, because I hear from everyone all over the world that you listen to the show, and I really appreciate it. So today we're going to fly over to Anaheim to the NAM show. So we're actually kind of going back in time a few weeks, because as I record this, it's like 90 degrees in LA, but this was done, this interview was done the Sunday morning of NAM, pounding rain in Southern California, the end of a crazy-ass NAM show. And uh, we're in some hotel room, and Rusty's got a little Marshall combo set up with a like DOD overdrive. Not his usual rig, but you know, got the job done. And he's got this incredible Dean signature seven string he'll be holding throughout. And as a bonus, his lead singer from Dave Reckoning, Brad Lambert, is in the house. And at one point, you're going to hear me kind of request that maybe he grab the mic and sing a little bit. And then guess what? At the very end of the show, he does just that really cool moment. A little bit of brutality live in the hotel room. And uh, other people are in the house too. Don Diego from Swiss Picks. Really cool picks. Rusty's endorsing pick company. They literally have holes in these picks like Swiss cheese. So Don Diego's there. And then also at the end, the great guitar player Roman Martinenko comes by. Fun. If you want to learn more about Rusty Cooley, go to RustyCooley.com or email him at Rusty at RustyCooley.com because he does give lessons via Skype, etc. He also teaches legions of students at Pro Music Instruction in the Woodlands, Texas, not far from Houston. All right, thanks to Zoom for the recorder that I used to record this, the H6. And remember, keep it alive till you're 95, people. And know that I have a bunch more episodes coming up right away. Let's fire up the Whirlybird and cruise down to Anaheim and back in time. Just a few weeks to the Winter Nam Show, the end of the mania, and catch up with Rusty Cooley. Nut. I'll never forget when you told me that you're uh, one of the guys over at where you were teaching in that one studio. I was like, what's that video game music all yeah. day? What's, <laughs> you what? know what? Whenever a student wouldn't show up, I'd be in there practicing. And that was when I was yeah. right in the middle of, you know, my extreme, extreme, you know, shredding when I was working on my instrumental album. And uh, if a student didn't show up, I, I took every advantage of every moment that I had to practice. And I'd be in there working on, you know, you know, sh- you know, all my... 
asking you stuff like that. And it's like, what are you doing in there, playing video games? <laughs> so you know, I have to ask you about every lick that you do. So like, show sure. us what the f- was that? Okay, that cool. Just- that is, um, it's where you take a triad. Um, well, I, I would start with a triad. So I think about, these are arpeggios, first of all. And each string is its own arpeggio. So if you're an E natural minor, the notes at the 12th fret are E, A, D, G, B, E, obviously. But the triad that would be there would be E minor, A minor, D major, G major, B minor, and E right. minor. So I would take the triad. And then on top of that, if it's a minor yeah. triad, then I add the four. So... So you get one flat three four five. So you're doing a four fingers yeah. on one string there, starting at the twelfth fret. Right. So it's twelve, fifteen, seventeen, nineteen, and then the next triad is going to be A minor add four, and then we get yeah. when I go to the major ones, it doesn't work out to do the four, so I add in the two. Right. Because the two lands perfectly in there. Yeah. And so I do you know E minor add four so A let's minor. Let's each one slowly. Sorry, I know you said it seems like it's a pedal, yeah. Huh. Trippy. I haven't figured it out because sometimes you'll hit the cable. And it's over yeah. here. Maybe I'll... We can, uh, I'm really rough on my gear. <laughs> Maybe even though this is not mine, so when I step on it, it's just like... Yeah, you can hear it's like... It's, be gentle. It's jacked. I like stand on my wah pedals and shit. I, so, um... I yeah, do that too, I man. I was standing on the little... I have one of those little mini crybaby wahs. Yeah, the I mini, s- mini one? The, the mini little bitty one? Big. Yeah, right. I I've stand on it with all my weight You know, sometimes. they make a tube screamer that size too. I know, I want that shit. I know, that's cool shit. The only problem is... Um, I have one of those uh, Morley Waz. It's a Maverick, and I yeah. love the tone of it. It's mini, but I tried playing one gig with it, and after that gig, I never could use it again because I, you know, I couldn't find it on my pedal board because I'm oh, so yeah. used to the full-size Morley. It's like, where's that sucker at? I know. I like the full-size, but for travel and stuff, it's right. that little thing. So, and it's so cute. Yeah, I know, right? It looks like a baby shoe. Yeah, so back to those uh, one-string arpeggios. Now, how do they sound at, at the speeds that you like to play them? Well, let's see if this thing works. <laughs> Like what, what video game is that? It <laughs> well, sounds so familiar. Like I'm a, not sure, but I can games. tell you a video. Here's here's a. Uh... You recognize that, right? It's Galaga. Galaga. Galaga? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just stumbled on it on accident. I was working on you know because I'm doing a chromatic scale, yeah. and I'm doing uh, two fingers on my left hand, two fingers on my right hand. So it's you're ascending and descending with the right before you descend to the left hand. So. Wait, start that again. So sure. All right. So, <laughs> and so the first note is tapped with the you're with your middle picking finger. hands, middle finger, right. And then, and what then you us into the right hand. So then you add your ring, ring finger of the so I, tapping hand. For notation purposes, when I'm notating something, I'll call it T two and T three. Right. So tap T tap or tap two tap three and then tap two or pull off. You yeah. know. So you got to roll. And that's one of the hardest things with tapping. It's easy to do like one finger taps, or even if you use all eight fingers, it's easy to do one finger at a time. Right. You know, or, you know, relatively easy uh, compared to if you're doing an eight finger roll. Right. You know, because then you've got to have maximum control of each finger to each finger. And that's way harder than just kidding. Because when I was a kid, I used to practice the tapping section to eruption, and I practiced it with each finger, you know, you know, just I'd do my pinky and I'd right. do my ring finger just to. You know, for whatever Interesting, reason. Interesting, yeah. And the only time I ever tap with my index fingers is if I have to have all four fingers on my right hand. Otherwise, yeah. you can, you know, it's it makes sense. You know, why fumble around with the pick? You got three other fingers there. Let's use those first. 
you know yeah. um, I'm all about kind of keeping it as simple as possible and eliminating any room for error you know and I'm the same way with all my gear and equipment as well I mean that's why my guitars only have one volume knob and no tone or nothing I Another love it tone it's wired on 10 when you don't have it so <laughs> yeah you know, it usually sounds more powerful if there's just straight line to the amp you want to yeah a uh, friend of mine Carl Sanders from Nile he doesn't even have a volume knob on his guitar his guitars are hardwired right to the pickup so on stage he's got strategic places where he puts uh, kill switches <laughs> so there's no volume on any of his guitars no volume knob holy shit and he discovered that one night one of the pots went out on his guitars and he said dude just wire it wire it straight to the thing you know, <laughs> in the middle of a show and he, he, he said he noticed such a huge difference in it that you know that was it dude so. that's totally extreme yeah. Now tell, it tell us this beautiful guitar. Yeah, this Dean. is uh, yep. This is a new one of my new guitars. Uh, matter of fact, they've got the second one in existence as uh, on the wall uh, at the convention center. It's an all mahogany body with a flame maple top, so they call it trans white. And um, this one's got twenty six frets. It's, it's twenty five full frets, and then we got twenty a twenty sixth fret for the first three strings. And and the reason yeah. this that I did this is not so much because I wanted. Uh, more frets which is always cool but um the cutaway on this guitar is so deep that this, that's why this pickup is on an angle okay right so there was all that space sitting there and i thought well why don't we just fill this with frets so let's see how many frets we can get in there and we ended up with uh, like i said 25 full frets and then we got um 26 on the first second and third and i actually have a couple that the 26th fret actually goes up to the d string which is pretty cool if you think about it because now you can do like a you know if you can go way up here and you can play a d minor pentatonic scale at the 22nd fret <laughs> you know, awesome. and you can get, and you can actually do, uh, you know, uh, a C or even even E if you're doing position five, right? You know, and, and you got the blues note too, and the minor that's scale. Right. Yeah, get all the way up there, go C yeah. if you're in ninth, but and plus you can run a three octave like F sharp minor run or any any thing off F sharp. You can run three octaves because that highest note is an F sharp, and that's yeah. pretty cool. Seven seven string, yep. Seven string, Evil. um, yep. And um, it's got a one of the things that are really important to the playability of this guitar to me is the low pro Floyd Rose Tremolo system. Um, because I can't play my hand sits where the fine tuners right. would be, and I didn't realize this because the guitars I played uh, before I, I played a guitar with a low pro file tremolo was had a regular Floyd Rose on it. And my picking back then, you can see videos of me online playing that guitar. And when you notice, if, when I start picking fast, my hand, my elbow kicks out. Yeah. And I used to hold the pick between my thumb and middle finger and my index finger would ride on the top, just kind of like that. And I was right. doing this um, to compensate for the fine tuners. And I didn't know I was doing that because of the fine tuners. Uh, it was all hindsight. When I got yeah. my first guitar with the Low Pro Tremolo, within six months, I was holding the pick back like this. Like, and everything fell back into place and it just it did it i didn't consciously do it and i just realized you know uh, you know like i said hindsight it put two and two together it's like oh that's because yeah. you know the fine tuners on a regular floyd rose and it, it was uh, i had a very close call with this guitar because when this guitar was first designed um back in 2006 um floyd rose didn't make a seven string low pro edge or, or not low pro edge uh, low profile tremolo and uh, there was, we were using a Taikuchi tremolo. It was a Japanese company, and um, a USA model was coming with a you know, Japanese tremolo on it. And people were like, well, why are you doing that? And it's like, well, it's, I have to have the fine tuners out of the way. And it, Mr. Taikuchi passed away, so the tremolos went away. And I went down there one time uh, when I was doing a mod to the guitar at the Dean Factory, and 
They're like, well, all we got is two left, and it's got a black saddle and a gold saddle on one and all this stuff. And I was like, <laughs> man, what am I going to do? And it was uh, to the point that I would have just quit using tremolos if that's the case or went to a different style of tremolo without fine tuners because I can't. Because right, you get back to your pickings. Yeah. Style. And so about a month or two later, I get a text with the picture of this thing, tremolo, and yeah. the picture, and I went, Whew, you know. That's so great, they, man. Yeah, it's they really finally, sunken in there under the surface. So Yeah. You notice how deep it's yeah. sunk into the body? We do that on purpose. Um, when it's set up completely perfect, the, the top of the trim right here will be yeah. flush with the body. The plate, so that, right. So this the, is to yeah. keep your hand you know, consistently even all the way oh, across yeah. all seven strings or eight strings or whatever, uh, or even six, because we make six strings now. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And... Uh, and that's a very important feature of the guitar. And it's stuff that if you don't know to look for it, you don't know that we're doing it. You know what I mean? That's badass. And Did Brad help you with that? I mean, come on. That's like some ergonomic, <laughs> like, no, uh, man, that's all him. Dr. He, Lambert. As far as, the, as far as the mechanics of playing, um, like, this guy is just, he's just thought it out and super, super <clears throat> advanced. But you approve of this ergonomically, oh, yeah. right? It's oh, good. yeah. And, and you know, yeah. it's funny is, is I, I play uh, as well, and I, I you know, I was telling him for the same reasons he's talking about. I didn't know why, but I just knew that I just never really liked playing a Floyd. Until I actually picked up his guitar and the guitar plays so easy, you forget that you're playing a seven string sometimes. Yeah, that just, it looks tempting. Maybe later I'll yeah, sneak it. Yeah, no, no, yeah, you seriously need very, to play this. Yeah, it's um, really appealing. So, you know, some of the other features, you know, you got that the trim sunk in, and, and as a result of that, we have to sink the neck deeper to make it, you know, make that work. Um, you know, Diego was asking me last night, well, why do you have the jack like that? And I said, well, you know, when I don't have it like that, every time I stand up or move, boom, I yeah. stand on the cable and it comes out. Because I have a, uh, uh, I'm a huge telly guy and I have a Dean uh, Nash Vegas telly. And I don't know if you can call it telly, but it's right. Nash Vegas, made by Dean. It's, it's uh, uh, the Tracy Guns model. And I just, I love that guitar and I take it to work with me uh, to the music school and use it a lot because I keep all my guitars, yeah. my sevens and eights and half step down and, and I need to be able to do other things on the fly. So I take two guitars every day to the school and that one's got the jack down here and yeah. <laughs> about five out of the 10 lessons I do a day or more stand up at some point boom kick it out run, run you know? through the strap but you don't want to wear a yeah. strap well, while you're sitting down yeah the only time I use straps I'm standing up we yeah. talked about that too <laughs> yeah because it's cumbersome and you know I sit in classical position when I practice to keep I everything that, yeah. where it's where you it's at the carry on luggage right yep. now yep. acting yep. as your footrest uh, whatever luggage company company that is uh, I won't mention it because I don't have an endorsement yeah. with them yeah, no. yeah, not yet. <laughs> yeah. Sam, Sam Snyde if you're listening or yeah. Travel Pro right. Rusty Cooley is available that's right hook a brother up now, um, what do you use? Um, do you use a traditional classical mm -hmm. foot rest? Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, it's not like uh, it is a traditional classical classical foot brush, but it's not like like one of the wooden ones or like you know you might see on stage with a classical artist. It's yeah. uh, I forgot the company that makes them. They're metal. Yeah. Um, and I've got one that's really wide. It's a wider one. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, my students. Cool. You should put a Wawa pedal on top of it. Absolutely, man. So right. One stop. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> My students tend to think that you, you're okay to stand on them. So yeah. I, I constantly get them crunched. It's like, dude, you can't, you don't stand on that. You can't put your weight on it. It's just to prop your foot up, you know. That's funny. Smush. Oh, oh, sorry, dude. Well, I can't wait to talk to you about your teaching practice because you're sure. a phenomenal teacher and extremely organized and articulate. But Thank I want to go back to one thing. I remember you once showed me, before we leave the tapping you mm -hmm. did a hilarious like falling down the stairs kind of sound uh, with four fingers <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Those, that can... would be separate tapping not like the trill tapping correct let's see if i can do this 
<laughs> that just cracks me up. It's, uh, it's a little bit harder than it used to be. I uh, busted my hand a few months ago. Oh, where? On well, your, your, you're holding up your fretting hand, your tapping hand. I'm sorry, you're holding up your tapping hand. Yes, but if you notice, my knuckles, my pinky knuckle is now... There's the baddest tattoo on there. It's like a yeah. flaming so ghost rider skull. So I can barely see it. <laughs> yeah, I can it's see back it. there now. Instead, as opposed to up here. Right where your pinky connects to the hand. What'd you do? Um, well, uh, embarrassingly enough, um, something that I don't normally do or ever have done in my life is I got angry about something and I punched something and it wasn't a person, thank God, because if I broke my hand, Dude. it would have been uh, You know how many musicians I know who've had that injury? I don't know Tom Petty, but he was one of them. Yeah, others. really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> and... And because the situation I was in at the time, I wasn't able to get medical treatment for about three or four days. And so it already started to set. So I went and saw a doctor and he said, okay, well, we can do two things. And uh, he said, we can see how much your pain tolerance is and I can try to push it back in and set it. And, uh, and then you got to do this thing every day where you put like a, take like a pin on one side and put a pin on the other side and keep making sure that it's pushed back into position. And I said, yeah, that's cool, because my other option was to go have surgery and have a, a pin pin, you know, right, stuck yeah. in through my knuckle uh, and held in place for like six months or something like that. And I'm like, dude, I ain't got time for that. And everything was going great. And then I got up out of bed one morning and not thinking about it, I put my hand down to lift Man. myself out of bed and then and it popped out. And now I've, I lost about an eighth of an inch off the pinky on my right hand. I mean, if you go like this and you Creepy. notice I can't lift, that's as high as I can lift that pinky, yeah. you know. Hey, Amen. And it doesn't really doesn't really straighten yeah, out all the way. I could see when you point it out, yeah. So I don't know if it's helping or hurting my finger tapping yet because the problem I always had with my pinky on my right hand is is that it would overshoot or miss. And I'm, I'm starting to, now that it feels better, <laughs> I'm starting to work on it. And it's Dude, almost a silver seems lining. Like right. You know, I always look for the positive. I'm not a negative guy. And it's like life's too short to fill my head with the bad things when I can fill them with things that, that are going to help me instead of hinder me. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, my hand feels good enough to uh, start doing that again. So, you know, I'm trying to uh, get that going. That's, that's the only technique that I've, and, and I say the word master very loosely because, you know, I don't know if there's such a thing as mastering anything because you can always be better at everything. So um, this is the only thing that I'm not completely... Um, just it can just whip whip it out anytime oh, yeah, and, well, and and do it. But it's something that I've ever since I saw a Still Rockin' America video, I've wanted to do it. So I've always messed with multi finger tapping. Right. Um, but it was the one thing I've just never really always followed through with because of mm. whatever reasons. Or I was working on some other oh, technique no, that was working. And uh, but um, it's just funny the actual lick. You're just like, I guess your hands are. You got your yeah, so tapping that, hand that and your lick, fourth finger. So it's basically if you you took two chromatic scales, traditional four note per string chromatic yeah. scales, and put them right up to each other, and did pinky, pinky, middle, or I mean ring, ring, middle, middle index. So you're going. All right. So. So you're 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 on the first string, and your left hand is. Yeah, and it really doesn't matter position. where you start it because it's chromatic. Right. But but at this right particular point, I'm playing. My right hand would be frets thirteen. Yeah. Uh, sorry, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and my left hand is yeah. ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. So it's pinky against pinky. Uh, pinky to pinky. Ring, ring, middle, middle, index. That's hilarious. And then you just kind of jump and down some strings. Uh, yeah, just. Come on, people. That's hilarious. <laughs> right? And that's the whole point of the lick. It's not like, yeah. 
you know, I'm not trying to be serious. This is my, can you, can you feel that, bro? You know, right. you know? <laughs> know. he plays with no feeling. It's like, yeah, you got to understand the feeling I'm trying to is invoke or whatever. And that particular one is comedy. <laughs> Try it again with soul. Right? Yeah, right. Can you give it one more time with feeling? <laughs> Just like trying to tell a drummer to play with more feeling. Can you put that more feeling? Wait, what is my motivation? All right. Oh, to keep all the YouTube naysayers happy. So oh, you, boy. You wanted... <laughs> well, that's a whole other can of worms, man. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, everyone, yeah. Everyone deals with those. Well, the first time I realized that how much BS was behind that was when I saw somebody slamming Sean Lane. It's like, really? Oh, yeah. One of the greatest guitar players ever in, in my mind. And uh, if you got anything bad to say, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got you know their own opinions. Yeah. Music is in the ear yeah. of the beholder, so to speak. But yeah. if you don't like it, don't listen to it. And certainly don't yeah. comment on it. Go somewhere you do like, and you know. Well, and you know what? You know what? You say, okay, well, where's where's your band? Right. Where's your, yeah. Where's your, your I, what all? Playing? You know, I very rarely ever engage in it because it's just oh. you can't engage with people like that because you just, you know, it's kind of like bringing yourself down to those level. But what I will do is I'll approach it in a very methodical and and polite and and uh, try to be analytical about it and say, well, you know, well, why are you thinking this? Or or could you show me how to do it? You know, show me yeah. what I'm doing wrong. Send me oh, some yeah. MP3s, or where's your video yeah. so I can watch and learn from you? Dude, if that troll um, was right here yeah. in front of you, he would oh. be your best friend and yeah. never forget yeah. meeting you and be your fan for life. But and just it, sitting it, there in his mom's basement, and just, yeah, you know. Yeah, using some, a lot of oxy cream and. Yeah, um, you know these people—they're down there. They're they're snorting sharpies and yeah. glue. Yeah, it's stuff. like you it's, get it's out bad. from behind the internet or your iPad or or whatever. And if you actually yeah. <laughs> practiced your instrument, you wouldn't have to diss people because you're you know you're feeling bad about yourself. But uh, feeling is you know it's there's not only one kind of feeling. If you talk to somebody that wasn't a musician and yeah. you said feelings, there's there's you know hate, anger, happiness, joy, whatever. There's uh, tons of feelings that humans. Yeah. Uh, have and but when you're a guitar player there's only one feeling and when they say feeling that's what they mean you yes. know it's like come on man there's plenty of you know if you want to hear uh, yeah more of that feeling like i said get a box of tissues yeah go, go have a good cry and, and come yeah, on back later we'll be here all night <laughs> find your feeling if you're not yeah. feeling this yeah go find well, the feeling i'm trying to evoke is somebody being beaten over the head with an axe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear, what does that sound like um well kind of sound like that you know, <laughs> you know something like that or bludgeoning you know i don't know yeah what kind of I'm still working on that feeling because there's multiple feelings of being beaten over the head with an axe. Could we get? Could we get? Yeah, there you go. Could we get Brad to maybe sing something? Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm four days into Nam, man. I've got like I'm toast. Give us a do, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you on the storm and uh, and yeah. and yeah, voice of Morgan Freeman? Freeman and yeah. Dude, you got you got to break the people off a piece. Let's listen to yeah. a little bit of one of those. Let's sure. listen to. Uh, Voice of Morgan Freeman. Sure. Day of Reckoning. Yeah. 
you know, rhythm is super important to me, it always has been. And, you know, because at a very young age, I knew intuitively enough, thank God for that, that it doesn't matter how good a lead guitar player you are, if your songwriting and rhythm sucks so bad that nobody makes it to the solo to find out and shred. And there's a statement that I heard when I was a kid that it took me many, many years to understand, and it was, you're only as good of a lead player as you are rhythm. And I thought, well, the way I understand it now is, um, uh, or what, the way I thought about it back then is that, you know, your timing, and how could you stay and keep a beat, which that's not it at all. It's, uh, it's how well you understand the chords that are presented, which gives you the ability to improvise in many different ways and create different things. What, what, all, what are all the arpeggio choices and what all, how many scales can you play over this? chord here is it's like a dominant 11. I've got a loop of that playing over like or it'll be just like a drone piano yeah. patch and you can use like you could use mixolydian you can use dominant pentatonic you can yeah, use show, show me some of those though yeah so you, what, should I, what should I play so yeah you could use straight up mixolydian And then you could take a straight up dominant pentatonic. Well, and there's two versions of dominant pentatonic. I always first thought of dominant pentatonic as one, three, four, five, flat seven. But I was reading uh, Guitar Techniques magazine. Uh, they had magazine. a scale in there called dominant pentatonic, Great and magazine. they labeled the scale that I thought was dominant pentatonic as Indian pentatonic. Okay, so the other the other dominant pentatonic was is is one, two, three, five, flat seven, one. So. It'd yeah, be like totally. if you took a traditional major pentatonic and just put a minor seventh in it. So, yeah. so you can play that over it, you know. Oops. You know, so you got that, or you know, Indian pentatonic. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got that, and then you can you can do um, you can do Phrygian dominant over it. You know. So we got. Or it's pentatonic, which is one flat two four five six flat six. Oh, really? <laughs> and there's I, there's a list. There's about ten or twelve scales that I yeah. that I have listed, and I'll and I'll, and I'll teach my students. And so it's like I'm a huge scale yeah. of the half hold diminished scale. I'm a fan yeah. of the half hold yeah, diminished right. scale because you know 
I'm a, I'm a rock metal guitarist or whatever you want to call it, but I've always been a fan of everything. And while I'm not a fusion guitarist by any means, I want to know what those guys do so I can yeah. then in turn turn around and do that in what my music, you know what I mean? Nice. Um, and and that's, that's why I, you know, got all these different choices. You know, I don't want to just do the normal thing. If you only listen to one kind of guitar player or one kind of style, guess what? That's all you're going to do is regurgitate that one thing. You have to listen to everything and and take from it what you like and channel it into what you do. You know, that's how, you know, some of the greatest guitar players out there um, get that. I mean, I think I remember reading that Billy Sheehan interview where he said something like that, you know, because he was playing yeah. some classical pieces and, you know, um, it's very important. Things are so different now. I mean, when I was a kid, I was starved for information about my favorite artists. I would read everything I could find. And back then it was Guitar Player Magazine or Hit Parader or Circus or whatever, yeah. you know, and there wasn't very much information. So, um, you know, anything I could find out about these guys, I took to heart, you know, and Randy Rhodes, he's the one that got me listening to classical music. And, um, you know, Eddie Van Halen he said something about Alan Holdsworth. So I had to find out who this Alan Holdsworth guy right. was. So I got to meet him for the first time. Uh, uh, Friday, I think it was, and um, Alan's yeah. been a, I mean, the first time I heard Alan was in Guitar Player Magazine, sound page, and right. I still have all of those. Awesome, man, yeah. I have all the you sound pages. This is our 50th anniversary, so it's man, great to hear you bring it up. That's amazing, yeah I, have, yeah. I have Guitar Player Magazines dating back to 1983. Badass. And uh, I'm trying to remember one of the first ones that I have. One of them was with Andrea Segovia on the cover, it's the gold one, yeah. and... Um, <clears throat> One of the ones that has been my favorite through the, all, through the years is the one, it was the same year and it had Eddie Van Halen on the cover and it had all these lessons. It had lessons by Chet Atkins and um, Johnny Smith and George Van Epps, I think, and uh, just guitar players, different style, Chet Atkins. Yeah. And the funniest thing is when I was a kid, nobody was doing arpeggios like Yngwie, you know? And when I heard Yngwie and finally figured out there was an arpeggio, anytime I'd look in a book, they would just show, you know? And I wasn't smart enough to know to go, you know. Right. So I see it and I go, well, that doesn't sound like it, you know. Yeah. And then I finally, uh, uh, a magazine had uh, Hiroshima Monomore transcribed in it, and it was, you know. And I, and I went, okay, the light went off. But getting back to the Chet Atkins story, I was recently looking through that magazine, and he had a two-octave arpeggio shape in there that if I would have just taken the time at the moment to go, oh, hey, I would have found out the answer much quicker, but I overlooked right. the column. Right. Well, and see. I looked back through it, and see, that's why I keep all the magazines. Because, oh man, the magazine back in the day had the best articles ever. I mean, and know, the only articles: was, Arnie, Arnie Burrell, yeah, yeah uh, Jeff great. Berlin. Arnie I've learned so much from Jeff Berlin and uh, about practicing yeah. and stuff like that. And Tommy Tedesco and Larry Coriel and Rick Emmett. I have. I love all the basic back to basic columns. Uh, I learned how to do a lot of muting from Rick's columns and. Uh, so yeah, Guitar Player Magazine has been a huge impact on my life with I all love that it. stuff. I know. remember reading Back to Basics and yep. I learned, learned I've this whole I've got them all. Thing. Recently. <clears throat> yeah. Where you harmonize. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As yeah. a 12-year-old, that was so cool. Pull yeah. that right off the page of Guitar Player. Thank you, Rick. Yeah, you know, exactly. Rick. You know, and and Jeff Berlin, too. Toured with him. He's hilarious. He's yeah. still, to this day, shedding. Yeah. He'd be backstage before a gig and he'd be like playing these like trombone solos reading them down because it's a bass clef that's clef. awesome that's I'm awesome I'm like I'm like Jeff man you were about to play you're just pra why are you practicing right now he's like practice these people pay money to see me he's got yeah. that great like <laughs> Long Island accent 
He's like, yeah. would you pay money? You know, I know how a scalpel works. I could take out your spleen if you needed. I mean, I know how it works. I'll save you 20 grand to have me do it. Would you trust that? Yeah, right. No, you pay money. You want someone to do it right. Yeah, that's funny because I, 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 I recently scanned an article by him from way back then and sent it to my drummer. And he was talking about when he was going out on the road with John McLaughlin. Or McLaughlin yeah. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. And they were talking about how they were doing seven-hour-a-day practice sessions. And he goes, and he goes, and we were practicing. It's not like you show up and you have a smoke break and then you go to lunch and come back and you're drinking. And I mean, we were running these songs for seven hours, working out all the details, you yeah. know. And I mean, that's how it's done, you know. I mean, if yeah. you want to be a, a, a serious player and real musician, quote, real musician, you know, um, you you have to go beyond and go the extra mile, um, you know. In, in all the bands that I've played in, you have to practice to go to practice. Right. You know what I mean? Because you have to know your parts when you get there. It's not, hey, guys, can yeah. you loop the solo section so I can kind of figure out what I'm going to try to do tonight or whatever. You know, you have to be on top of it. And, and back then, I would have a boom box, and I'd record the solo section for five minutes and then practice, you know, my ideas and licks over it until I found what I liked, and I would compose the solo. And, uh, you know, that's how I did it when I was a kid, you know. And uh, I like your thinking. What's, did you ever... I mean, you've been practicing and playing and shedding for so many years now, but did you ever kind of arrive at a certain practice routine that, that you like? Some people are, myself, very unorganized. They'll like, the inspiration will strike and I'll play for eight hours one day, the next day I'll play for half an hour. But you always <clears> struck <throat> me as being very organized. Did you ever come up with a system and, a, and like a regimen that you would follow? Well, yes, yes and no. I have, believe it or not, I have all of my practice schedules and all of my goals handwritten still all the way back to like 83, 84. And um, I recently started digging them all out and scanning them, putting them in my computer. And I think I might put it some way, uh, maybe in a book or something, just to show, um, you know, how, how much it takes, you know. And I've got cassettes of me playing it two and three years. I used to record myself periodically. And this all goes to back to your original question. But I can't take credit for this. Uh, I can self my consider myself a self-educated guitarist. I tried taking lessons and when I was 15 and it was Twinkle Twinkle Little Star in Mel Bay Book One. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I was 15, come on, you know. You know, I wanted, yeah. to, I wanted to rock, oh, yeah. you know. And um, I tried one month of lessons with one guy and, and he, he told me, see you. He told my mom, I can't work with this kid. Because every week I'd come in and go, look at this new Van Allen lick I learned, you know. And uh, so he sent me over to one of his buddies and and thinking it was going to be different it wasn't it was the same thing but different guys so after two months or two weeks i quit and a friend of mine had been carrying around a doug mark's metal method ad in his wallet and i said give me that you know nice. if you're not going to use it you're just carrying it around so i heard his first two lessons from him and that's where i got that discipline from because doug wasn't just a great guitar teacher he was a great motivational guy and he taught you about setting goals but you can't just set goals without having a plan or uh, a way that you're going to attain those goals so i'd figured out what a, my six-month goal was and then i would uh, write out a practice schedule that was going to get me to those goals you know and i use that with everything from getting record deals or in the beginning getting endorsements getting on compilation cds landing a record deal um things like that and i have all those notes still but as far as having a specific practice schedule that works for everything no i haven't as a matter of fact i was talking to john Petrucci the other day about this and i've been really digging in and researching and i've been trying to find out look for documentation on how franz Liszt practiced how paganini practiced and and chopin because i want to know how those dudes practiced i want to do that you know uh you know those guys yeah. are the, the 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 really old dudes <laughs> those guys are the guys that had it down into an extreme level i mean you know 
what did Franz Liszt do when and think about when he was sitting around every day at the piano? You know, I want to do that. Have you found anything about them? No, but I have found some pretty interesting information. And on my YouTube channel, um, I have some of the links to it. So my YouTube channel is Mr. Rusty Cooley. And um, you can you can scroll through some of the favorites and links. And there's I've subscribed to Itzhak Perlman's um, YouTube channel. And Itzhak talks about things. And regardless of the fact that it's a different instrument, it's the same methodology. You know what I mean? He yeah. talks about phrasing and vibrato and practicing and techniques and how long to practice. And one thing I've always disagreed with everyone about is how long to practice. I don't believe you should set any time limit on it. I think you practice till you're done. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you have a practice schedule and you're on one subject and you're really hitting it, then stay on that because you're onto something. You know, don't change it because that section's time is up because you never know what you're going to create when that creativity strikes and you're practicing and you're really you're excelling at whatever technique it is or whatever you're working on. Don't stop. You know, but do you still have the kitchen timer? I do. Absolutely. And how does that now it's on an iPhone, (laughs) (laughs) but I still actually do have kitchen timers. I have, um, what we, what I have one you? on my desk at home. It's a little digital one. And I've got several that have run out of gas that I just still kept, you know. All right. What um, would that typically be? Like, can you show us one of your exercises um, and how long? Sure, you know, I mean. Like, it, when it, you were it, building up your weaponry. Yeah, you know, it might be, you know, um, you know, just, you know, just running a, a simple exercise. Yeah. So I might take that. You take the idea. Yeah. And you would run that for five minutes, and I have to really stress that it's not play as fast as you can for five minutes. That's not the objective. It's five minutes of nonstop repetitive motion, and and you want to do it like uh, if anybody out there, musicians, I doubt it, been on a treadmill. You know, <laughs> treadmills will go in cycles from like walking to fast walking to jogging to sprinting to back down. It cycles yeah. you through it, and you want to kind of approach it the same way. Um, and that, and the way that this helps you get faster, because I was never a metronome guy. I, I just, when I was a kid, I didn't get it. And I'll explain that why I didn't get it in a minute. But so at some point during each five minute segment, um, or interval, you find the fastest speed that you can play it at clean. And then you start to push it. And when you start to push it and it starts to fall apart, then you reel it back in and then you, you play it as fast as you can clean and you push it. And the objective is, is that you're constantly pushing and pulling at what you're physically able to do. Um, and, and before you know it, your old braking speed is going to be your new clean speed. And you, um, and when you're doing this, you have to keep going intervallically, so to speak. And what I mean by that is if you sit down and you've got 25 alternate picking licks, you're going to practice, you're going to practice them all nonstop. As soon as the timer goes off, boom, you reset it and you go, there's no braking in there. So it's like whatever, you know, 25 yeah. times five is, um, that's right. how many, that's how long you would go in nonstop. You know what I mean? And then when I was really young, people used to always ask me, how can you play so long without tiring out? Well, when you practice everything that you do five minutes each from every subject, yeah. you're playing all day. So you're basically, you're basically practicing to be a marathon runner, so to speak. So I could always just, you know, go and go and go. And, and that's the result of it. And, um, you know, and again, it's, it's not play as fast as you can because you don't, you know, that's how you get repetitive strain injuries and tendonitis and, and or, yeah, yeah, tennis elbow or whatever you call it. And, and, you know, and knock on wood, I've never had any injuries related to playing guitar, you know, and that's because, you know, I, you don't start off at full speed and just go hardcore. I mean, yeah. there have been times like at rehearsals or at the gig where I, you don't have adequate time to, to warm up. And that's when it's the toughest because, you know, you yeah. can't just get out there and just jump into your most difficult stuff and all my stuff is not 
you know it's it's nuts you know four finger stretches and stuff and you don't you can't go into that cold you know but just yeah just looking at you you ergonomically your your spine is completely straight and your shoulders just thought you know obviously you've got it on your left knee right classical style and you've got a nice riser there with that suitcase yep and that's that's all part of it and And, uh, that's got to help the big thing the reason i play with my guitar on my left leg is because if it's on my right leg a the guitar is lower and that's gonna put more pressure on your wrist. And B, if I'm over here, and I'm really trying to yeah. get going, then I run into myself. My arm hits my body and I gotta yeah, adjust. It's and, funny, like. And you can't access the whole neck. So by sitting like this, now I have, now my neck is up higher. The guitar is positioned in the center, the body is center in the center of my body. And I always yeah. play with it, uh, like uh, the phrasing I try to tell my students is like I'm hanging on for dear life. Right. You, know, you don't it's, you don't just hold it here and then have it away yeah. from you or you lean it back yeah. or it's not here it's here you know and the hardest thing to tell a student is like no you got to spread your legs more you know <laughs> so it's like yeah. you know just you know move that leg out a little bit further because you gotta you have to set it, it so that the guitar holds it. your your legs hold the guitar you know because exactly. you can't hold the guitar and play it's it in just, practice yeah. so this thing it just sets like this and the objective is you have to have the knee raised. Um, and you have to have your leg coming straight down because I'll see some of my students put it foot, classical footrest and it's out like this. And it's right. like, no, that's not, that's not your, how it works. Have your shin is straight down into the ground. Yeah, and this way I have complete access to the entire fretboard. Yeah, you're making me and, feel like a schmuck over here. <laughs> blues hey, but position. Works for everybody. I'm going to just know. sit over here. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. You know all this stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, I've never... I end up doing that sometimes and I always yeah. like it. Yeah. But... Yeah, yeah, and a lot of times when people first try to do this positioning, they don't understand how to set the instruments, so they'll they'll set in such a way that the neck's way over here. Like, yeah, and then it's like, well, yeah, that's not right, you know, because you're reaching. I can't, you know, it's yeah. got to be so that the neck is going upward, yeah. and it's just it fits. And and if you notice, look where my strap locks at. Oh yeah, it's in the back of the upper bout. That's, that's right, and you know why? Because if you put it here, and when you stand up, the guitar goes. Hmm. It swings right. over, so therefore everything I practice sitting down, even though it's at the same height, the guitar yeah. has shifted to my right side, and now everything's off. So by putting the strap pin back here on the upper horn on the back side, it centers it where I'm sitting. So when I stand up, it stays right here. Dude, how cool is it to have a company work with you and build you at the right thing and everything you've learned, put it into their instrument? It's the coolest thing in the world. It's really unbelievable, man. I'm so grateful to Dean Guitars, man. That's they are, fantastic. It's, you know, you... You know, to get somebody to believe in you enough to do something that that company has never, ever done before, you know, this is a first for Dean Guitars, and not only in the sense that it's a super strat, but it's the first USA bolt-on they've ever made. You know, and most people think that uh, neck-throughs will give you the best access to the entire fretboard. Well, not with this guitar. You know, I get, you know, I've never played a neck-through that I can get better access to all 26 oh, yeah. frets in this case. And even with the 26 frets, I can still go past the 26 fret because of the depth of the cutaway. Right. You know, and, you know, you know, that's, that's a lot, you know, for a company to build from scratch. You know, I was with other companies before and, and they would say, well, you know, we can't do anything that makes the, uh, the way our guitar look different. And sure enough, a year or so after my guitar comes out, now these companies have new, improved, deeper cutaways and all, all right. this stuff. And it's like, well, hey, you should have listened to me when I was on the same team, you know. Yeah. But well, uh, Elliot Rubinson at Dean Guitars, um, he brought me on. Yeah, and cool uh, and I have, to th- I have to credit uh, and give thanks to Mark Tremonti for that because Mark was at the Dean Factory. He's obviously a PRS guy. He was there with a friend, Bill Peck, who was the Dean artist. They're buds. And he was just tagging along. And Elliot asked uh, Mark, he said, hey, man, we're trying to c- corner the shred market. Do you know anybody? He's like, yeah, dude, do you need to call my friend Rusty Cooley? You know, so I get a call from Elliot. And this is like December, I think, 2005. Um, 
and he's like, hey, can you send me some stuff? And I said, sure. So I sent him like Dark Matter and Under the Influence and stuff like that for my instrumental album. And he's like, yeah, that's cool, man. I dig it. Can you, are you going to NAMM by, uh, by any chance this year? And at the last minute, Intellitouch Tuners brought me out to NAMM for my first time. Sweet. So he's like, okay, well, cool. Come by the booth. So I'm at the booth and... And I'm a little sheepishly about this because they don't make guitars like this or didn't at the time. So I'm like, I said, you know, I like what you're offering me, but I don't really play those kind of shaped guitars. And how do you say that without, you know, maybe being insulting, you know? And I, and he, and I said, I said, play more of a super strat guitar. And he's like, hey, we'll build you whatever you want. I said, okay, cool. Um, I said, I also play two eight string guitars. I play one brand that's got a high A string to low uh, B and one brand that's got a high E to low F sharp. You know, and I don't want to be on one brand on this and not knowing his mentality. He doesn't want me on different brand guitars either. You right. know, I just was worried in my mind about, you know, that sort of thing. And he's like, and I said, well, one of them's got a fan fret too. And he looks to one of his guys and goes, hey, can we do that? And the guy said, yeah. And I said, okay, cool. You <laughs> nice. know, and I, I said, all right, sign me up. And next, the next month I was flying to Tampa and being picked up in his Elliott's Ferrari and driven to the factory. And we started designing guitars. And this was in February. And summer nam that year was in austin and uh i get to nam and they get the first prototype of the rc7 which there was only one you know that's all mm -hmm. it took there was a couple of modifications that i made and then that's how spot on the first right. one was yeah, and right. they said you don't have to play this guitar tonight we understand because it's new and you've never played it before but at least put it on stage and i said okay cool and i got it and it played so well i didn't play any other guitar but that guitar the whole night you Sweet, know what I mean? it, it felt that at home bad. You know what I mean? They got they, and the modifications that we made were very minimal. It was little things we like with the cutaway and yeah. a couple of other tiny little details. Well, and, you're clearly uh, dialed on the guitar front. Yeah. Now your picks, on the other hand, you know that shit's got holes in it. I can get you picks yes. that don't have holes in it. Well, what's wrong with that? We, you know, it is an upstart company. It's a one-man operation, so we got to work with what we got. No kidding. It's, uh, kidding. <laughs> so it's uh, the it's the the concept is Swiss picks. They so look you, so cool. The 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 original Swiss picks are yellow, like Swiss cheese. Yeah, I have some of those. And um, we were we, me and Brad, we were in the studio recording, uh, uh, working on the first day of Reckoning album, which took way way too long to get the first one out for multiples of reasons, but. Pete um, sent me uh, a sample of Swiss picks and they were the yellow ones and they didn't, I use a 2.0 and they, they weren't even close to being a 2.0 and uh, they had round, a round tip and the time I was using a, like an Ultec Sharp kind of thing and, right. and I said, I said, well, do you make anything with a point and it's a little heavier and he's like, no, we don't really make that and I said, all right, well, cool, thanks, man, you know, and I appreciate you, you know, looking me up and sending that out, it was really cool. So the next year he calls me up and he's like, hey, Rusty, where are you, where are you at, man? I'm, I'm here. I got your picks, man, you know, because he's from New York. And uh, I was like, well, I didn't come this year. So he sent me the picks, and it was, uh, it was orange. We called it the Sharp Cheddar model. Nice. And, uh, but it was made out of a different material. I think it was called Durlin. Is that what it is? Do you know? Uh, that sounds right. And, and I loved the pick, but I didn't like the tone of the pick because it was really warm. Delrin. Delrin. Delrin, Delrin. Delrin. okay. Um, but I, I, regardless of the fact if he would have made it out of the material that I wanted or not, I was still going to use it, you know, because I loved it that yeah. much. But I wanted it and was like, Pete, dude, just try it out of this other material. And this is a polycarbonate. And uh, and he was real hesitant on it for a long time. And he's like, well, you know, Rusty, if you don't like it, you don't have to play it and we don't have to do this. And it's like, no, dude, I, I'd like it. But before I sign off on this, let's at least try it. And it took him about six months to give in because it's not an easy process to do this. And it's, they're all made in the USA and you have, you have to have plates made and it's not a cheap yeah. process. And when you're a one man operation, you know, and doing everything on your own, uh, it's not the easiest thing to do. So, but he finally gave in 
and did it. And as soon as he got the first one back, he was blowing up my phone. Dude, these are awesome. I can't believe blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, see, Pete, if you would have listened to me six months ago, we'd be much further along. But um, oh, so cool. it's a funny story, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, but again, having a company that believes in you enough to try the ideas no matter what and make it happen and look what you know that's look at the, the RC7s it's a that's brilliant star here's a yellow original right. that he was that's talking the, uh, about but yeah. Rusty really they, did put the influence you know, on that pick because I saw yeah. the, the change uh, you yeah, know Pete Pankowski he's yeah. uh, he came up with the initial idea yeah. the holes and the raised hole yeah uh, that was all Pete yeah, he's out there, but, but you, the that's point, his nuclear green is is uh, brand new, and yeah. he's got the sharp tip on this one. Yeah, and so, they're injection molded; yeah. they're not stamped, so that's why he's oh, talking yeah. about they have to have molds. Um, right. Yeah, they have to. The tip itself is a round point, but it's in a sharp yeah. form, so it doesn't have edges. So right. He was talking. Uh, you were talking about how you attack the strings. Right. Like some some of the picks out there, they have a square edge on them. And I can't use a square edge pick because it's noisier. Yeah. So it was very important for me to, for this thing to have a point, but at the same time have a smooth yeah. edge. And you you can see that it's it's, it's yeah, subtle. It's, oh yeah, there's no. And plus, knife if you edge, if you really, just try it right? real quick, just try hit hit something with it, and you'll notice it slides right off the string like glass. It's really it's really yeah, smooth. You know what I mean? Uh -oh. and if you just do like a tremolo pick or something, you can. Yeah, dude, I can totally feel it. It's like yeah. gliding. It's a gliding fast pick, you know? And it just comes right off like glass. Yeah, man. Thank you. But, I mean, you know, it's, uh, so it's, you know, I got this thing and it was, it was, it's the one, you know? And, and most people really don't consider how important the pick is, you yeah. know? A lot of people are like, oh, I don't know, I'll just grab a pick. And it's like, this is one of the most important pieces of equipment that mm -hmm. I own. As simple and as inexpensive as it is, that matters that much to me, you know, because Heck I want to yeah. pick that it, it's a connection. It's uh, it's it's like a conduit yeah. between me and the guitar, and uh, you know, if this isn't right, you know, then nothing's going to be right, you know. And I have to have a pick that doesn't have any give. And the reason I like it so heavy is because when you hit the string, it's you hitting the string. It's your connection, and you are one hundred ten percent in control of your dynamics. You know, if you're a hard right. hitter, you have to learn how to not hit everything hard. You know, it's like playing guitars with frets this tall. You know, I, uh, years ago, a blues guy would get on my guitar and he'd go, well, man, it's out of tune, you know, because he'd play a bar chord and go, you know, because you blues guys have a death grip. You can't yeah. death grip everything. This guitar will force you to play with a lighter touch. Right. And if you still want to dig in, you can still dig in. And uh, if you're trying to play fast, it's better because, you know, when you're playing fast, you have to have a light touch because you're kind of like dancing across the fretboard. So and if you're death gripping that you know or hulk stomping the fretboard you know <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what a hulk stomp is it's when you think there's the last step and there's, there's not because there's a one more step and you you know <laughs> that's hulk stomping um <laughs> man i'd love to hear you cut loose over a yeah. jam or something can i sure. play something what yeah. should i play underneath like some classic metal or something i, um, I don't know like um i don't know what i really don't know i like to play over just about oh yeah Thank you. 
string middleys there um speaking of that leg yeah. you can you don't have to stay in one position you could do all minor triads so say like if you're an e you do or triads or add fours you go he's you know. jumping up so i did e minor a minor yeah. e minor a minor e minor a minor then. Nice. So you just hit all the, right. the minors. And depending on what position in the key you are, <clears throat> you can hit three in a row. Yeah. Like, uh, let's see if you start in like a Phrygian position. Or so. You know, you do the same thing with uh, major, but you got to start on Mixolydian, so you'd be... <laughs> you know what I mean? Then you can That's add awesome. tapping to yeah. that. But... Uh, yeah, we can just more jamming if you want. Yeah, sure, or man. Uh, whatever you want right, to do. What do you want to play? I don't know. What do you What do you like to jam over? I'll just play something. Okay. So One, two, three, four. Meadley's in there. Um, that's pretty funny. I love it, man. You are such a... I mean, there's a lot of stuff, that, you know, it's like, you know, Brad always talks to me about this. He's like, dude, you got to do some of the other stuff that you do to show the people that, you know, that there's more sides to your playing, you know, so, you know, you know, you might think about something like... Oh, that's nice with the seventh string. Yeah, like that or yeah. I recently uh, discovered how cool Jeff Beck was. I've always known that Jeff uh, Beck is a great guitar player, and I'm supposed to yeah. know, get Jeff Beck. But it was his album. You had it, you had it coming. Have you nice. heard that one? I'm oh, I'm not man. up on all of them, but I'm a huge fan. I've seen him that so album, many times. That album did it for me because I it made yeah. me go. I went, oh wow, I get it. And it's I, I don't oh, know yeah. if it was because it was a little bit more of. Um, 
what would you say that album kind of sounds like it's kind of, kind of like a techno or industrial vibe yeah, to yeah it? i remember that record yeah, yeah. And his yeah. tone is just like off the hook, and, oh, yeah. and the songs are just, you know. And so He's, after that, I just went back and started looking at every Jeff Beck thing I could find, and Nadia. Nadia crushes man, me so many I had no idea that he didn't write that. Oh, and yeah. then when I heard the vocal version of it and realized how well he yeah. emulated that and all those quarter steps, just went. Yeah, he's, whatever. He's a deep guy. You know, it's like going to church when I see him, you know. Yeah. I swear to um, God. He's the only guitar player that's done stuff with the Whammy Bar. Yeah. that I wasn't immediately able to just do it. I mean, Wayne Bar has always came really easy to me. You know, I, I grew up in the era when the Attitude song was the first sound page. You right. Know? So I was able to do all that. Just, I could hear yeah. it and just do it. Uh, but the stuff Jeff's doing, it's like, what? It's, this is not working, you know? Yeah. Um, and I realized he did some of the beginning of that with a slide, but you can still do it with a whammy bar. Yeah. You know, Michael Lee Ferkins proved that, you know, um, if you remember Michael. Oh, man, yeah, Mike, he's um, great. He does a lot of stuff even with that, yeah, without the whammy bar, creating these, like, yeah. fake slide yeah, sounds. Yeah, pseudo slide sounds. So, hand. Um, yeah, that kind of goes back to... We Dude, real quickly, what, what, pick, what made you want to pick up the guitar in the first place, you know? This is a funny story. Uh, me and uh, a couple of friends of mine had been jamming with tennis rackets. This was before they had air guitars or Guitar Hero. And what song were you jamming uh, to? One of them was Free For All by Ted Nugent um, and some other Ted Nugent stuff and uh, some Cheap Trick, I think. And um, we'd been jamming to the stuff with tennis rackets. I was really going to be the singer, you know. That didn't work out very well, as you can <laughs> see. Um <clears throat> But, you know, after a couple of months, we got this together and we got this brilliant idea. Hey, how about we get some real electric guitars, you know? Awesome. Well, you're obviously <laughs> feeling it. Now, and uh, the funny thing is I went into this music store and I wanted my first guitar to be a mini Flying V. And thank God the guy talked me out of it because I just, wow, that's a cool little guitar. I'll take that. And, you know, and it's, you know, it's not a real guitar. <laughs> and, uh, and it was immediate, like, you know. Um, I've always known what I wanted to do in my life. And... Uh, when I was born, I was born into a motocross racing family, and I, that was going to be it. I was racing dirt bikes from the time they had me on, and I started racing BMX, too, when I was a teenager. And No shit. Yeah. And I, so I was, if I wouldn't have got into music, which I think is inevitable, but uh, if I wouldn't have done that, I'd just probably be a retired mo- motocross racer by now. But uh, uh, for whatever reason, when I was in my teens, uh, you know, my family couldn't afford it or whatever reason. I, I didn't understand because I was a teenager and, you know. Uh, right. You should just buy me a new bike now, you know, uh, being a spoiled punk. And uh, were you into like um, BMX at that point, or absolutely, you, yeah. Or was, were you into like I was racing bike? motocross. I was doing stadium tracks. I was doing the out, you know, outdoor track. I mean, they were all outdoor, but they had a Friday night track, which was stadium, yeah. like Supercross kind of thing. Yeah. And then they had the regular outdoors, where it was all you know crazy stuff, way more intense than uh, uh, Supercross because the, the regular outdoor tracks are based on the, the landscape. You know, and it was yeah. it was nuts. So you're hardcore. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And dude, you know, I was fearless on a dirt bike, man. I, I wide open, man. No matter what, and I just if you ate it, you ate it, and you get it, get up and walk away from it. And that's why I don't ride street bikes ever, because I'm they they scare me after racing dirt bike because you, the way I ride and drive, and the, the I wouldn't be walking away. Yeah, but uh, are you a nutty driver, Rusty? Don't get behind me on oh, yeah. or in front of me on the freeway. <laughs> I used to. I well, just recently got rid of my H two, and uh, I remember the the lady that, at the local mail place where I go to sh- ship all my stuff off for musics and things like that. And, um, she's like, "My God, the other day you were coming up behind me at the light, and I about had a heart attack. I saw that big H two coming up. <laughs> I was like, Sorry about that, you know. But uh, I got rid of that, and now I now I got a BMW and. Uh, 
it's that super fast. But my Hummer was fast. Some of the guy that I bought yeah. it from had it modded, and, and that thing I was doing 120 in it. Uh, you know, well, that's Texas. Uh, yeah. Where do you teach? Um, I teach at Pro Music Construction. It's in the Woodlands, Texas, and uh, I co-own it. And um, nice. I also and do that's s- near. Uh, I'm d- the Woodlands is north of Houston. It's right. the suburbs. That's where they have the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion, where a lot of bands play. Big bands. It's a big. Uh, um, I should venue. That big outdoor thing with the lawn. Yeah, you played, played there. I played there a big free concert. It was. I live five minutes from there. Dude, if I'm you're such in town, knucklehead, call me. Yeah. I mean, I literally uh, yeah, yeah. like five minutes. Yeah, you know? we had the biggest thunderstorm right right after Soundcheck too. My right. gosh. Can't believe how yeah, great that it's, was. it's a great it's a great venue. Um, but yeah. when it rains, it's not so cool because the people up on the hill it's all muddy yeah. and stuff. But but yeah, you're five minutes away when you're there, dude. Um, yeah. But uh, I kind of got off sidetracked on the story. Uh, you're asking yeah. me what got oh, me yeah. into it. It was you know, you know, we jammed with tennis rackets and uh, got my first guitar and and back to always knowing what I wanted to do. As soon as I went from motocross racing to BMX, that was it. I've never wanted to do anything else. It was like a light switch, you know, turned on and. Um, yeah. It used to freak me out when I was in high school in regards to my friends when it came time to graduation, people not knowing what they were going to do and going, oh, i got to pick my major and what am I going to do? It's like, I've, I've, I was like, God, that would scare the hell out of me not knowing what I want to do. Oh, I know. <clears throat> you know, so. I'm with you on that. Man. I never had a backup plan. Um, uh, again, from learning motivational stuff, you know, backup plan. Um, that's just preparing yourself to fail. Why spend all the time on what you're going to do when you fail? when you could have spent that time in becoming much bigger success um and and success is truly in the eyes of the beholder as well because you had how you define success does that mean money to you does that mean uh being as good as you can be on your instruments does that mean putting out records does that mean touring it's all different and um one of the biggest things for me um is when i it's all said and done i want to have left something behind for people to learn from and grow from and build upon you know that's more important than you know really anything else and then just having you know it's as hard as it is being a musician and struggling at times you know because there's been times when i've done great and made a lot of money you know over six figures a year and there's times like in the last few years where it's nothing close to that and it's when you play a show or somebody comes up to you and tells you how much your music affected them and what it's done to their life it's like that's what i play for you know awesome man you know that's cool people like man you don't know how much your books and your videos have helped and you're such an inspiration i practice till my fingers bleed and you know stuff like that and so uh, you know that's that's what it's all about man well, you are a truly inspiring cat man thanks for uh doing this oh, what's the welcome, best man. way for people to find like who to follow um, you and check out all your books and everything and yeah the best place to i don't keep my website current uh like i should but rustycooley.com you can go there and on the homepage you can get links to my facebook pages and twitter and linkedin and and on that page my rusty cooley website page you can see my discography i've been on over 35 cds now wow. you know and uh i've got like nine instructional products um uh, you know, from my early days, like Shred Guitar Manifesto, The Art of Picking Extreme Pentatonics. To I like the, Fretboard Autopsy. Yeah. Best name ever for right. a fucking yeah. Yeah, you have to, tutorial. And, and, that's, and that's the... Uh, and that's the thing, you know, it's, you got to have, it's like when we first built the first Dean, it's like when we got it done, it was like, okay, now we got to have the icing on the cake. We got a great guitar lesson. Now what are we going to do to make it pop, you know? And it's like, you know, with, you know, Shred Guitar Manifesto, you know, it's, it's yeah. like, that thing is like, has everything under the sun that you can do, yeah. uh, every technique and, uh, and then extreme pentatonics and the art of picking basic training. It's funny, basic training is perfect for that one because it's, it's, it's where I finally broke everything down 
uh, and talked about how I pick, how I hold my pick, how your left hand is, and these exercises, because all the ones that I did before that were based on guitar players that already knew how to do that stuff and was looking for new directions to go, new inspiration, you know, and how to take their playing yeah. to the next level. And basic training was where I finally broke it down because on those other DVDs, I didn't really talk about, oh, this is how you do this. I was like, here it is, you know, this is what it is, go for it, you know. Um, and then fretboard autopsy is my uh, take on how to how I develop fretboard visualization. So I go through every shape and pattern that I've used through the years to develop fretboard visualization. And uh, that's a huge part of my playing. I can't, I can't imagine not having fretboard visualization, and I can't imagine not knowing theory. Not knowing theory to me is like being dropped off in the middle of nowhere and saying, okay, find your way home. Yeah. You, know, you might get home if you don't die or starve first, but if you have a GPS and a cell phone, you're going to get there a hell of a lot faster. You know? Well so, said. So, you know, you know it's, it's scary to me. And, and people that say, oh, theory is going to make me not creative. It's like, no, theory is going to allow you to understand what you do and allow you to do it again. You know, uh, and allow you to um, just develop off that and, and give you more ideas of what you can actually do. And I'm a big proponent on never let one good idea be one good idea. Anytime you come up with one cool thing, milk it for everything that's worth. Try it in every key, every position, every, you know, just, you know, go with it. You know, don't let it just be one thing, you know. Um, yeah. So, well said, man. Yeah, thank you. Well, you've, you inspired me once again, and it was always a pleasure to uh, have you uh, in Guitar Player Magazine. I, Absolutely, and, man. It's been too long. So yeah, thank well, you. Thank you, really, for all the oh, support, dude. because you made you made it happen for me. You know, you believed in me. You gave me the guest guru column, and then from that, it turned into Metal Guru, and I think we did end up doing like 17 of those things. Oh, cool. Yeah, I and, lost track. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well-deserved, man. You're a great teacher and very uh, inspiring and badass. Thank you. Um, I know you. I know you got a plane to catch. You got yep. a room full of dudes looking at me, man. I'm getting kind of scared. Of <laughs> Watch out for Roman. He's going to get <laughs> out the vodka. What are you doing? <laughs> he's a he's a killer guitar player right there, man. He's with Swiss yeah. Picks also. Badass. So yeah, he's hanging out really hard, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can we get? What do they say? A little, a little song, maybe. You can probably let uh, try to do uh, like left to follow with the chorus of that rip. Yeah, try it a couple times if you just, want. If just you guys just have time. Uh, guitar and, yeah. and, and vocals. <laughs> All right. Awesome, man. This is before noon, everybody. Should really appreciate it. The, the doctor is on the mic, folks. <laughs> the unwarm up morning hungover version. And that's day four Nam. Too much Russian partying going on. Dude, you have a great voice, man. Thanks, man. You guys sound really I got the chords on something. Yeah. 
I love it. Then we got a middle section that breaks down. Like, 